Come, are you thirsty? Come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the wine. Come and thirst no more. Come, all you sinners. Come, find his mercy. Come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness. Find what you're looking for. What
It's bright. Get sunburned standing up here. Be, be like you guys down on the beach rolling with the lobsters in the sand. My, my. Are you glad to be here tonight? Well, well, th that was kind of weak. Are you glad to be saved? Amen. You know, I was, I was, thinking, I was thinking just today, I, I don't know, I don't know that I've ever seen such a um, an escalation of panic, um, fear, and and hey, let's let's just be real. Let's let's be honest. There's a lot going on in this world, but but I want to suggest to you tonight, we've also never seen such an escalation in the fulfillment of biblical prophecy as what we're seeing right before our very eyes. Hey, keep your eyes on Israel right now. And while you're keeping your eyes on Israel, you better be praying for them. And more importantly, you better be praying that our government has the good sense to be on the right side of Israel. You can't be on the wrong side of Israel and be on the right side with God. Amen? You, you know, I, I was thinking about that. I mean, you think about the concerns that, that people just over the, the, the last year, and I'm not going to preach, I promise. I'm, I'm going to get Shane right up here. But, but I, just, I really want to in, encourage you tonight in that, you know, with everything that we have going on, the Bible says that God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of a sound mind. I think one of the reasons that people, and I'm talking about Christian folk, church folk, 
I mean, we got we got folks scared to come to church because they might get sick, sitting at home because they're afraid they might run out of gas. L listen, L listen, there's something wrong. But because if there is a sense of panic, it's because there's a sense of powerlessness. I want you to know God's still in control of this thing. He's still calling the shots. Amen. Preacher, you were, do you know Archie Oliver? Did you know Archie Oliver? Archie Oliver was a deacon in the first church that I pastored, New Freedom Baptist Church down there in Columbus, North Carolina. Archie was a godly, godly man. I, 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 he, he's just one of those men, when you get around him, you, you really felt like you was in the presence of God. He stood about this tall, and he probably didn't weigh a buck oh five soaking wet. But, but, but Archie, when, when I preached his funeral, I had the privilege of telling his children that when Archie died, he was on his 108th time reading his Bible from cover to cover. Now, now, now that's, not, that's not counting church and Sunday school and the, his, his just picking up the Bible and reading it. That's, that's from cover to cover. He was on his 108th time. Archie Oliver was a godly man. And I remember, man, I was still a young preacher, wet behind the ears, green as grass. And I remember Archie sharing with me one time, he literally had half a lung. He got lung cancer, and they took one lung out, and he'd done good for a while, and then he had to go back, and they took another lung out. And, and so the half of the lung that he had was literally, literally tied, hanging on a cord, and Archie said, Preacher, I was laying in the hospital, and I had a machine helping me to breathe. And I remember drifting off to sleep. This was right after his surgery. And he drifted off to sleep, and he said when he woke up, he woke up to alarms going off everywhere. Just sounded like sirens. Woo, 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 right there in his, in his hospital room. And he said, finally, he, he, was, he was panicking. He couldn't breathe, and he just couldn't catch his breath. No matter how deep he gasped, he couldn't holler, he couldn't speak. Finally, a nurse ran in there, and she saw that the machine that was helping him to breathe had come unplugged. Somehow, he had twisted around, and I don't know, pulled on the machine or something, and, and it had, had got on plug, uh, unplugged. And she, she reached down, and she plugged it up. And Archie said he laid there for a few minutes, and the, 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 the breathing got better, and he could feel himself being able to get oxygen, and the fear began to subside. And he said as he was laying there recuperating, the Holy Ghost spoke to him. He said, Archie, you're disconnected. And when you're disconnected, you got to get plugged back up. When you're disconnected and you're feeling powerless, you got to get plugged back up. You don't run from the power source. You run to the power source. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been plugged up already this week. And, and I come tonight to plug back up, to get, get what God's sending. How about you? I, I'm, I'm not going to live in panic. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Are you plugged up tonight? 
Oh, good gracious. No, you ain't. Are you plugged up tonight? Come on, brother. Preach to us. Get plugged up or plugged in. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, we was building our church, putting a roof on the on the top of the church. Me and Keith Russell was nailing the shingles on the roof. We hollered down at Jerry Corn. Plug us up. We ain't got no juice. Plug us up. We don't have no air in the guns. He said, it ain't on my end. You got a kink in your hose. So I don't know if we need plugged in or got a kink in our hose, but I know God can do it. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Well, ain't it good to be in the Lord's house? It's good to be saved. I'm glad I'm going to a place called heaven, and it's real. Amen. If you will, we're going to stand and reverence the reading of the Word of God. I invite you to turn your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. I have been teaching on the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible college. And then I saw some things and I began to preach a few thoughts in the book of Ecclesiastes that I never saw. And I think that's right where we're at tonight. So I want to do my best to mind the Lord. And uh, I hope we will get from heaven what God has for us. My grandma always, and Michelle's grandma the same way, you come to their house, you better be ready to eat. They don't want to hear, I just ate. To them, you don't eat because you're hungry. You eat to keep from getting hungry make sense but they can't sit down until they serve you that's the way they's brought up and I'll always she said if you leave my house hungry it's but because you wouldn't come to the table if we ever leave his house hungry it's because we don't come to the table would y'all agree God's got some for us tonight Let's read our text. Look, we're going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We'll begin reading in verse 1. I'll do my best to mind the Lord. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to try my best to do everything God wants me to do. Will you do the same? Can I hear an amen? Amen. If we'll do that, we'll get some help tonight. Amen. Look in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace And a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get. And a time to lose. A time to keep. And a time to cast away. A time to rend. And a time to sow. 
a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. And, and let me say this. Look, look at me just for one second. Here, here's what the exercise God's given us is to work, labor, love him, and to be exercised because exercise always produces pain. And we have to push through the pain. It produces labor. So our exercise is to live the life that God's planned for us. And so he's saying in verse number 10, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised. There's, would y'all agree with me tonight? There's travail in living your life. Look at verse number 11. And then he comes and says this. He hath made everything. I, I want to have shouting. Let's, let's just call recess. Whoa! Hey, that's what the Bible says. He's made everything beautiful. We just read that list. Somehow, God is going to make everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart. I, I pray I can deal with that phrase tomorrow. So that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. His ways is beyond our ways. I know that there's no good in them but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Verse 14 is my last verse I'm going to read. I know that whatsoever God doeth. It shall be forever. Amen. Nothing can be put to it. <laughs> Woo, man. Nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. We're fearing the wrong things. Father, we love you today. We pray, God, you'd help us to preach in the pie of the Holy Ghost. Help me to be a vessel that you'd preach through to help everyone that's here. God, help me to feed the sheep, feed the lamb, help the pastor of the church, his family. Help us, God, to see this local church be a, a, a city set on a hill. Uh, Lord, be a bright and shining light, a lighthouse in this community. I pray, God, you would somehow, some way, use this group of believers, use us tonight uh, to, to start a fire in Brunswick County. And God, let it sweep over supply and sweep over shalom, sweep, sweep over overholding and sweep over the surrounding communities and God would you Lord you did it in one time and Lord you, you did it another time and, and Lord I've read time and time again in the Bible and Lord we may feel like we're a little in number and low in number but I've seen it time and time again when they were outnumbered two to one when your crowd got to shouting and a trusting in you you whooped the enemy because you're a man of war and nobody can whoop you and God we're going to trust in you the battle's not ours we're going to look to you we're going to lean on you we're going to love you we're going to listen to you and God when you come back we're going to leave with you and Lord until then I pray that we shine and light up for you I pray you'd show us how to do it and we'll give you the glory the praise and the honor I pray you save souls and touch saints and use us God 
how to be a help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help me just for a little while tonight, I want to preach on this thought, beautifully blessed by the blesser. <laughs> I'd say we could look around in this church house and say that we are beautifully blessed by our blesser. If we look in the book of Ecclesiastes, it seems like an odd book. Maybe this week has become, it seems like at least, a, a series of strange things in the Scriptures. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, me and my boy was talking about the other day, it's the 21st book in your Bible. It has 12 chapters, and it seems to be the least preached book that I've ever heard. I've been in bunches of meetings and haven't heard many things preached from it except those last verses in the last chapter. I'm thinking to myself when we, the Bible tells us uh, not to neglect the word, to study the word, to preach the word, and to preach the whole counsel of God. Jesus said in the Bible uh, to the Pharisee crowds, he said, search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. He said, in the volume of the book it is written of me. I, I, Brother Harold Seitler used to say, he used to say this, he said, on every page in your Bible and in every chapter in your Bible, you will find Jesus somewhere. And if you don't find him, it's not his fault. It's your lack of study. Say amen. I want to do my best today to try to see what God is saying us through this preacher in Ecclesiastes. You see, the name Ecclesiastes means preacher or to gather a message and preach it to a group of people. I, I, that's what I'm trying to do tonight is trying to look at this list in the first part of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3. Now, just think on this for just a minute. Y'all stay with me. When I think about the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, there's one thing that jumps out in chapter 3. I love genealogies. I love to preach lists that's in the Bible. I feel like there's a list. There's a reason for everything in the book. I love preaching uh, about those genealogies in Matthew chapter 1. Let me just give you one little nugget because the rabbit jumped up and I need to shoot it and, and skin it and and uh, put it on the wall. So y'all stay with me. Uh, Rahab is in. Can y'all believe that? She's a Gentile. She's a woman of the street. But believe it or not. Rahab the harlot. Is in the genealogy of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1. Oh my God. There's a little something different. You'll see in her name. Her name's got a C in the middle of it. Boy ain't it good when Mr. C. Took residence in your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. She made the book. Hey, she's not called Rahab the harlot in Matthew chapter 1. And by the way, she's going to make Hebrews 11 the hall of fame of the faithful. And there's not but one other a woman that made the list. I just want to go on record and say I love list in the Bible. 
So there had to be something in this list. God knows I want to see what it was. And though I got to looking in chapter number 3, I noticed there are 14 pairs in this one list. These, this list is an odd list. It's different than any list of the, that I've ever seen in the Bible. Some of the pairs are backwards. Let me give you an example. Look in verse number 5. To cast, uh, to, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. Does that not sound backwards? You've got to gather them before you can cast them. But in our text, it says cast them before you gather them. That's just what the Lord wanted. It, he sticks things out like that. He makes them look strange and odd and out of place for a reason. Now, there's only one way that you would cast away and then gather. Don't you remember over there in the Bible? Let me just remind, let me say this. The, the Bible, the gospel message, tires down the old man and brings in the, hey, thank God, there has to be a casting away before there's a building up. In the Bible, there's times where they remove the rubbish and they, they cast away the, the wreckage and they brought in what was going to build the wall back hey that's what God does when he redeems the sinner he cast away the bad things and he brings in the good things there, there's odd things in these pairs I, I think when I look at these 14 pairs uh, uh, there's something uh, inclusive about them there's something that's comprehensive and here's what I mean notice in verse number 2 uh, there's a time to be born and a time to die. It seems like that it encompasses the whole of our life. This list is dealing with everybody in every situation and in all parts of your life. Amen. Oh Lord, I, if y'all can see what I see, y'all be running right now. Hey man, it looks weird. It looks odd. This uh, Some of these pairs don't seem like they go together, uh, but there are literal meanings in in these lists, and then there is application in this list. I, I believe I, I preached the message from chapter 3 on, on what where's Christ in the list. I believe you can see him at least three times in the list. You see him, first of all, as Savior. Look at verse 3, and we'll get there in just a minute. Hey, man, but look in verse 3. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. Now, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 2, Peter's preaching and full of the Holy Ghost, and he said, by wicked hands you've crucified the Lord of glory. Now, I know it was the will of the Father, but God used wicked man's hands to kill the Savior. I know he laid down his life. No man could have took it. He had power to lay it down, had power to take it up. But the Father used wicked man to kill. That's the only killing that ever brought a healing in somebody ought to say amen. Because verse 3 said, a time to kill and a time to heal. I see him as Savior. If you look in verse 11, he's sovereign because somehow or another, God is going to take all these circumstances of our life in chapter 3 and somehow he's going to make them beautiful. The sister verse in the New Testament is Romans 8, 28. 
And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Somehow, God's going to take the ugly times of our life and make them beautiful. He's going to take the bad times of our life and make them beautiful. And the only way we can get to that place is we're going to have to trust his sovereignty. He's in control. We see Jesus, amen, as a Savior, as sovereign. We see him as servant. He says every uh, through every circumstance of your life, he's going to be there. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. I'm glad he does all these things and works in our life and nothing can be added to, nothing can be taken away. He's faithful servant. So we see him as Savior. We see him as servant. We see him as sovereign. If we look at the list, before I get into the message, if we look at the list, at least we see it can be broken down into four ways. Uh, there is a time for everything. We see that in verses 1 through verse 14. There's good times, bad times. I mentioned on Sunday, there's positive times, there's negative times. Uh, there's times we fail, and there's times we succeed. And by the way, let me just say this. If you're not willing to fail, you'll never do nothing. I'll say this, failure is really the groundwork for success. I would tell all my soldiers when we uh, and, and when we preach to them, and then when we'd instruct them in class, they thought that was the weirdest thing. I get to preach to them and see them get saved, and then I get to blow them up in the field. Amen. I love that. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? It's fun to blow them. I'm talking about fake blow them, but it still rattles the ground. Amen. Amen. And accidentally, you can cause an ear. Uh, rupture and forgive me Lord at one time but we I, I, I teach them and I tell them this you can learn more from your failures than you'll ever learn from your successes and the reason matter of fact all leaders have done a lot of failing before they really could lead because you don't know what don't work until you've done made a mess of it and so you, you become successful, whether in business and in life, whether in church leadership, whether it be, don't you wish, parents, that somewhere, I know God's give us a great book and all his precepts concerning things, all things are right and we ought to hate every false way, Psalm 119. I thank God for that verse. But I wish God would have said, okay, parents, on day one, do A, B, C. Okay, parents, on don't y'all... I wished I could go start over again knowing what I know now. I feel like I could be a better parent. I don't know for sure, but I think I could. What I'm saying is failures, it's not final when we have a father who loves us and will never let us fall, but upholds us with our, his hand. Would you say amen there? There's a time for everything. There's toil in everything. In verses 9 through 14, he talks about labor, producing travail. Hey, Amen. Then there's a tribunal for everything. And verses 15 through 17, if you read on in the chapter, he's going to talk about there's a time when the righteous is going to stand before God in judgment. And if you've been saved, you won't have to stand before God to answer for your sin, whether you go to heaven or not. But you will have to stand before God and give account of the judgment seat of everything you've done in the body and every secret thing is going to be made known. 
open. Here, here's what I would like to help just point out about that. You say, preacher, I'm not ashamed of nothing. If we could just let this altar be a tape recorder and roll back everything you promised God, I guarantee you'd hide under the seat. Amen. If if we could somehow put a screen, that screen up here, and project what you're thought about over the last 365 days, every one of us would be ashamed. Are y'all with me? And every secret thing, every hidden word, everything done in the dark, the things your spouse don't even know, it's one day you're going to have to give an answer for it. The saints of God are going to have to stand at the judgment seat. Sinners are going to have to stand at the great white throne judgment. In other words, there is trials in our life. And what God is doing through the saints, trials and tribulations, is making us look more like Jesus. So there's a termination of all things in in verse 18 through 22. There's going to be a time when it comes to an end. It's appointed unto man wants to die and after this is judgment. He even said that. He alluded to that in verse number two. There's a time to won't be born and then there's a, t- a time to die. Strange things. I, we tried Sunday to look at strange things about uh, the elder son, things that I think are scriptural. The pastor said like night, last night, things that should be familiar have become strange because we've got comfortable with the same things. And yes, sir, I stole that and put it in my notes. Amen. It's the truth. We've got comfortable getting by. God, help us not to be that way. I feel like what God has allowed the Holy Ghost to pin down in chapter 3 is a, a lesson for Every person in this church, every person that I ever want to run in, I want to be in contact with, I want to share this thought with them because I feel like God has given us some biblical truths through life's examples. He's try, I believe the Lord is pinning down using the preacher in Ecclesiastes to show us some instances where we have to trust in God. Sovereignty. We have to thank God, lean on Him being our servant. He said, I didn't come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. And aren't you glad we get to serve Him? But thanks be unto God, He did all He did to serve and prepare a way for us. Amen. But I want to say, thank God that He's my Savior. Now, you say, preacher, what is it about these verses that sink? Give me some biblical examples how can you sit there and say you know what our communities had to endure this yesterday how can you say God is going to turn every situation every circumstance every hard time when the gas pumps are running dry when folks can't get chicken and that's a sad day when <laughs> preachers can't get chickens that's what a belt is around the fence around the chicken graveyard say amen hey it's a sad day when you call dominoes and they say you can't order but 10 wings that's a sad day and i I thought to myself uh, why when when people are panic mode when folks are the 
gas attendant last night. I pulled up to get gas. It's going to take me a little more than a tank and a, and a uh, gas juggling Toyota Tundra. And everybody that has one says amen. And uh, I'm trying to make sure we get home. I'm not worried about running out. I'm worried about folks buying all the toilet paper. Say amen. Amen. I'm worried about folks buying all the paper towels. And I feel like it was the toilet paper crowd that was in the gas line last night. And uh, I, I go to the gas man, and he said, man, I don't know what's crazy. We've been getting gas shipments, and the man, people across the road just got a gas shipment, and we're only 50% out. And I said, well, he said, yeah, fill up everything you got. It is no, there's no limit. I don't understand what the panic is. But the problem is, brother, that we're living on edge now. That folks are watching Fox News and they're watching. I, I, I mentioned them first because they're about half liberal now. And they're watching Fox News and they're watching the. Oh boy, how about City Clinton News now. I mean the CNN and and they're they're watching all of these false media, false news, and it gets people in panic. Uh, and they're already biting their fingernails, and then they're already wondering what's gonna go on, uh, what's gonna happen. Gas is going up. Uh, I don't know about y'all. I liked it when it's a dollar and fifty nine cent. Man, bring it back him or whoever let's bring it back and I thought a dollar and 59 cent to now I'm over a dollar more and I, I don't know why I think the reason is their hopes in the wrong place uh, why is it that we think the happenings determine our happy listen if, if happenings determine your happy you can have fun as long as the roller coaster's going. But when the roller coaster stops, the fun's over. If you've got Jesus on the inside, you can <laughs> Woo! You can sail through the storm and wave at people. Amen. I don't know how they did it, but according to the Bible, the first submarine is in Mark chapter 4. Because the Bible says the boat was full of water and it kept sailing. The only way that can happen is if Jesus is on board. And have we forgotten, church, who's driving this boat? Say amen. Amen. He's got a hold of the wheel. Woo! He can make it go to the shore if it's full of water. And here's the amazing thing. He was asleep in the hinder part of the ship with the boat full of water. Now, you would tell me. I don't know how it happened, but all I know is when they finally come to the end of themselves, who'd they turn to? Him. Maybe God is allowing to happen today what's happening because he's tired of folks going to everything else rather than him. Sometimes God has to take all your credit cards, even though you got plenty of credit limit, and just put them on hold, make you panic mode, so you have to turn to God. I'll never forget one time. I'm trying to get to the message. It's just getting bigger. It's like one of them dinosaurs 
it starts out that big, made a sponge, put it in water, and it gets big. Amen. Hey, man, I'm trying to. Hallelujah. I, I thought, brother, uh, brother Frankie, uh, we go through things so many times, and God's brought us through time and time and time again. He's never let us down. He's never lied to us. Hey, man, and I don't know why we can't just trust him for whatever he puts out of his vending machine. It's like going to the hospital, visiting people, punching the button F-14, and instead of getting F-14, I got F-1, and I guess that's because God wanted me to get F-1 instead of F-14. Why don't we just trust God and, and believe him? There's a young, there's a preacher in our church one day. He got up and testified, said my little girl after church today asked me to make her a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and, and, and I said, okay, I'll make you one. Time went by a little bit. I was busy. And uh, Dad, I thought, you are you really going to make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? He looked at her and said, Honey, I told you I was. Why would you doubt it? And he said, Maybe it was just because you ain't made it yet, Daddy. I'm sorry. I'm going to take you at your word. I don't know why the church crowd can't just take God at his word. If he said he's going to make us a peanut and butter jelly sandwich. We ought to trust him to make us a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He said he'll not suffer the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. If there's not but one molded biscuit on Holden Beach, I'm going to be chewing on one end of it. I'm telling you God's going to take care of me. I'm going to believe that. We was up in uh, Kentucky at Brother Hanley Milby's meeting. My wife and I was there and had her two boys and and, uh, God laid on my heart I didn't have but enough to get home and, and about 20 extra dollars in gas money and uh, this missionary came I never met him his name brother Messick I'll never forget him I never met him until that day he drove in 24 hours from Canada off the mission field they had a bed in the back and they just climbed through rotate seats hey man had two diesel fuel tanks and they just kept moving in until they could make the meeting he got there and they took up an offering for him and uh, the Lord kept nudging me, give, give, give. I didn't have much to give. Here's my thinking. Lord, I'll go ahead and give in the offering, and I'll use that credit card we got. That's sad. That's sad that we got to, we got to trust in something else to mind God. But that, and that's where I was as a young preacher, and I said, Lord, I'll give every dime I got, but I, I've got to use that credit card to get home. I was in the altar the next morning. I never talked to the man. He come up to me, Brother Frank. Gave me $880 the next day. They took up $3,000 for him. He said, I don't know who you are. All I know is I, God said I'd come to church and you'd be here early praying in the altar. And he, 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 is, uh, are you a preacher? And I said, yes. He said, you from North Carolina? I said, yes. He said, you it then. Here's $880. I had enough. We, we went to eat good on the way home. <laughs> Amen. And when I got home, guess what, y'all? There was a bill in the mailbox. 
And I had every penny to the penny to pay that bill. Here's what I'm saying, church. If we don't mind God, we're going to miss God. We're going to have to learn to trust him in every situation, negative and positive. I've got a lady. She's going to come to dinner. She's not going to be able to make it now. Her name's Miss Connie. She's been in our church for years, teaches, taught both them boys back there. Matter of fact, all three of them. Uh, she taught when they were little and Sunday school class. My, one of my wife's best friends, if not the best. Uh, and and Miss Connie come up with cancer and, and not long ago. I've seen her shout about cancer. I've seen her thank God for cancer. I'm telling you, for I'm trusting God that God's healed her of that cancer. That part got removed. She's going back to a doctor's visit. I'm just going to trust God to do it. Here's what I'm saying. She said, if I can shout on a sunny day, I can shout when the clouds are hanging low. Church, that's what Ecclesiastes 3 is all about. He said in verse 1, to everything there's a season. Then he says in verse 11, that God's going to make everything beautiful in his time. Not your time, not my time, not the church's time, not the deacon board's time, not the pastor group time, but in his time, he's going to make everything beautiful. He can turn everything beautiful in his time. Would you all agree with me? That's the introduction. It's long. The message is short. Some of you got real nervous right there. There is food back in the back. No, I'm just kidding. Take, your time, take the time with me to look at three verses. We're just going to look at three verses in this list. But before we go there, I've got to show you the first time when we think of verse 3. Look at verse 3. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. How can God make a killing beautiful? How can God make, I know how he can make healing beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. But breaking down, how can he make that beautiful? How can he, and go with me if you will, just take the time to go with me to Luke chapter 23. You need to. I might be preaching out of an almanac. You need to make sure I'm in the Bible. Amen. Go with me to Luke chapter 23. Three in Luke chapter 23 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Amen. It's, it's talking about Christ on the cross at Calvary. Amen. Thank God for, for Jesus. Amen. Look at verse number and, and chapter 23 and verse 33. Notice what the Bible says. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary there they crucified him and the malefactors one on the right hand and the other on the on the and the other on the left and then said Jesus father forgive them for they know not what they do and they parted his raiment and cast lots and the people stood beholding and the rulers also with them derided him saying he saved us 
others, let him save himself if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. You say, preacher, listen, I'm telling you that God I took something as, as terrible as the death, as torturous as the death of Christ on the tree and brought triumph to sinners. That religious crowd says, save yourself. I'm so glad he didn't save himself because if he'd have saved himself, he wouldn't have saved others. But because he did not spare himself, he saved others. Amen. Amen. God made the killing of Christ, the hatred of man. God has, we've seen the worst in man, but the best in God. He took something of a, the cross. is an instrument of torture. It's an instrument of death. But God made it beautiful. I bet you some of you ladies has got one on your neck. You, that's an instrument of torture and death. But we wear it because it's an emblem of life. It's an emblem of beauty. We're, hey, we're Bible believers. He's not stood on the cross. We don't wear a crucifix. Hey, man, we wear an empty cross because he's already went. He's died, buried, and rose. Everybody say amen. Woo! Amen. Thank you, Lord. I thought I was going to get hung up. I was going to have to get somebody locked the hood, put her in four-wheel drive. I'm talking about torture. And God brought triumph. An instrument of cruelty and yet God through the cross is paying our sin debt and going to bring by a way for sinners to be converted I'm talking God has taken something that's ugly and made something beautiful out of it oh man God will make everything beautiful in his time he took something that was brutal and made it beautiful at the cross we see Jesus dying we see these people mocking him and making fun of him. We see the religious crowd, the reviling crowd. We see that railing crowd. But thank God there is one that's a repenting crowd. I don't know who, how many they are, but I at least know the thief on the right side. Hey, man, he called out to the Lord, and he said, Lord, uh, uh, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He, he wasn't like John and James. He didn't say, give me the left hand and the right hand. Uh, but did, did y'all notice what the thief on the cross? Matter of fact, let me just say this in case I don't get back to the cross uh, tomorrow. Let me just say this. I love studying that thief on the cross. See, see, that's a terrible day, but God's going to make it beautiful. He's dying. The, the Romans are killing him, but it's fixing to turn beautiful. The worst day of his life is fixing to be the best day of his life. Are y'all with me? Do y'all know that when the lights was on and when the lights was out, Three hours of darkness on the cross. The thief never doubted God. How did that happen? He had that flesh nailed to the cross. He couldn't always, he couldn't look back. All he could do, oh boy, I'm about to have a running fit. Y'all know, I, amen. He made a prayer of faith. He had a plea of forgiveness. He, he made a prophecy of a kingdom. He said, when thou comest. He said, I know this ain't the end to you. He said, and when thou comest into thy kingdom, hey, 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 he said, I know you're a king. And when you get to your kingdom, all I want to do is you just remember me. 
Do you know that the thief on the right on the right side is the only human person that spoke of the innocence of our Savior? He said he's done nothing that missed. He told that other man, both of them started railing. And by the end, in chapter 23, both of them railed. And by the end of the verse, one of them repented. He said, look, he said, I've started out. God has took a man that had nothing to give. He's never going to get baptized. He's never going to hand out a track. He's never going to give his tithe. He's not going to raise his kids up to follow the Lord. He's got nothing to offer God but a messed up, ruined life life and Jesus said good day for you today not today thou shalt be with me in paradise I said glory to God he said today right now it's going to happen shall be this ain't your end and praise God you're going to be not on this place of torture but in paradise hey church here's what I'm saying God took something that was terrible he took a killing of the thief he took the kill by wicked hands and the providence of the Father of our Savior and he's making something beautiful out of him. Luke wrote about it. Isaiah, he prophesied about it. Listen to what he said. In Isaiah 53, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pledge of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, he shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. He prophesied about it in Isaiah 53 and 52. He said his visage is so marred, more than any man, his form, more than the sons of man. You and I can't even comprehend what Jesus went through. Hollywood can't make a movie to portray what he went through. The Bible tells us he is scourged. That's at least 39 stripes with a a cat of nine tails ripping flesh off of his incarnate body. He had done nothing but good to everybody that he'd ever run into. He'd healed the sick, touched the leper. When the leper touched him, uh, hey man, he didn't get what the leper had. The leper got what he had. Hey man, he opened blinded eyes. I like one time, hey man, when he stooped down and got mud, spit in it, made mud pies, and put them back. To y'all that work on cars, he went back with original parts. Say amen. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the Lord opened ears. Amen. He raised the dead. He showed us three times he could raise the dead. He didn't care how young he was. They could be an older man. They could be a young girl or a teenage boy. Amen. They, they could be just dead, long dead, or four days dead. Are y'all listening to this preacher? Hey, God has shown, he has done nothing but good. He's done nothing but good to everybody. And the they brought false accusations and they beat him with a cat of nine tails. They planted that crown of thorns on his head with an inch to two inch thorns. Took a reed, a hot piece of wood, a big thing, a club, like we think pine knot, and made fun of him, put it in his hand like a, like a king's scepter. Then took it out of his hand and beat him over the head and drove those thorns and spit in his face. Reached back into the sinus cavity. Now, I don't care what nobody 
nobody says in here, you wouldn't stand for somebody spitting in your face. And Jesus got spit on by those who were crucifying. But that ain't all. They, they beat him. He's, a, he's a, the average man. He, by this time, has lost all of his blood. He gets to Calvary. His hands is nailed. His feet's nailed. A sword's going, a spear's going to pierce his side. Out's going to come blood and water. But that ain't the worst of it. The worst of it is when God hung a veil and wouldn't let mankind look at. And when, when God forsook God, when I don't know if we get all that. I ain't got it all. I'm talking about, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's when we know he took our sin debt. Before that, he was saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now he's saying, my God, my God, why hast thou? That's when he became the serpent on the pole. That's when he became sin. What he suffered in them three hours of darkness was all of your hell, all of my hell, all of the hell, oh my God, that everybody would have had to go through, that ever would believe on him, compacted and pressed down. His holiness demanded justice, and his law demanded payment. And so what his law demanded, his love accomplished. And that day, the God gave his son for your sakes and mine, and he hung the but we know his debt was paid because the latter thing he said was, Father, uh-oh, relationships restored into thy hands. Woo! I commend my spirit. It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. I'm saying God took something that was terrible and he made something triumphant. He looked, it looked like defeat, but God brought victory. Are y'all with me today? All through our times in our life. Isaiah prophesied about it. Man, Peter preached on it. He said, Him have you delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain him. Luke wrote about it. We preach about it. And through that death at the cross, you say, Preacher, how was it taken care of? I don't know no other way to tell you what the Bible says. Hebrews 9, 14, I can just say this. The Father sealed the new covenant with blood because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And if the old covenant, hey man, if things were restored and remission was paid and atonement was brought about by blood, then you know it's going to be the New Testament. It's going to have to be blood. It's not the blood of bulls and of goats, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us think about it like this before Calvary they were just putting it on the charge card but at Calvary all debts were paid say amen hallelujah I'm talking about the debts paid I don't know if y'all have have heard this probably have uh, but when we think about debt paid here's the picture in the normal market area, if somebody defaulted on a debt, had a debt they couldn't pay, anybody in here would at least confess that as a sinner you had a debt you couldn't pay. Yeah. Amen. Amen. For all of you that wasn't, hey man, preacher, you're telling it right. Amen. All right. Everybody agree we had a debt we couldn't pay, right? We owed it, but we couldn't pay it. And so they would put it on a post for everybody to see. They, they mocked and made fun of the, but when somebody would pay the debt, 
they would mark on there uh, four or five words that I can't even pronounce. I know you can take Greek and Hebrew, and when you get out of school, you forget it all. But these words meant paid in full. Hey, and thank God that meant nobody could ever lay anything to his charge account. What I'm saying is, ain't you glad he paid your debt in full? I mean, paid in full. Something that was terrible, but God made it beautiful in his time. You said, preacher, show me another one. Well, look with me right quick in verse number eight. Our second one, we have three. Look at verse eight. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. I'm interested in that time to hate. How in the world is God going to take, he makes everything beautiful in his time. We are beautifully blessed by the blesser. Do you all agree with me that all things work together for good to the, we don't understand it. And, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it like this. You wouldn't sign up for the negative parts. You wouldn't say, count me in for the bad days. You wouldn't say, let my boy run off to the hall. You would not say, hey, I'll, I'll take all the bad days you want to give me. No, nobody's going to do that. You wouldn't do that. But in the end, you can look back and say, my God, he did turn that thing around and make it beautiful after all. Amen. Here, here, here's what I got to thinking about. Hate. How is he going to make it beautiful? Well, in 2 Samuel 16.10, you don't have to turn there, but you can. Uh, here's what 2 Samuel 16.10 says. The Shimei was following after David, and Shimei cursed David. I don't understand how a man can be that ignorant. David is a man after God's own heart. He's got a crowd of mighty men. I mean, it's like the Delta Force of Jerusalem. You don't even know. They can't, Saul can't even find their training cave. I mean, this crowd are mighty men. We're talking about men, a man named Benaniah, who on the worst of conditions faced the worst of enemies. Hey, man, he jumped down on a snowy day in a pit and beat a lion with his bare hands. That's a mighty man. We're talking about mighty men. I'm talking about men that can kill a crowd. I don't understand what's going through Shimei's mind. He's sitting there by himself, and he's walking along, and he's hollering obscenities and cursing and railing on David. One of David's mighty men says, let me go cut his head off for you. If and he keeps cussing him. I don't know what's going through his mind. It's kind of, when I think about him, I think about that thousandth man over there in Judges 15, 15. You, you remember Samson found that new jawbone of an ass. He's going to kill a thousand men. After 999 people died, what was the thousandth man thinking? They've done whoop 999. Tuck your tail, scream, ah, and get out of Dodge. You got to be crazy, hey man, to be that thousandth man. And he fell too. Shimei's got to be from the same bloodline. Here he is cussing David 
around a mighty man. And don't forget Goliath's sword that David's got in his hand. David is such a man in tune with God. He does what Saul wasn't allowed to do. He can put the infod on and go do what a priest does and also be a king to lead his people. He's a rare breed. And nobody, why would you cuss a man like this? But for some reason, he did. God's going to take the hatred of Shimei and help David. God's going to turn the hatred beautiful. If you were to read the text, you'd find out in 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 10 that there is a beauty, there is a benefit of sanctified affliction. The God can take God can take the people who make false accusations against your preacher, who make false, uh, make false accusation against you, who lie on you. Who, don't spend your time trying to straighten out all that stuff. What you need to do is trust God and hammer down for the glory of God. I loved it. I preached on this one time, heaven bound with a hammer down, and I uh, had a trucker in the service, and he put some nail on all his trailers. If you see one going up and down the interstate, heaven bound with a hammer down, blow the horn at him and wave at him. You'll know who he is. Hey, Matt, thank God we're heaven bound with a hammer down. I ain't got time to mess around. Got good people all around. Hey, why in the world would we get caught up with trying to chase rabbits and kill billy goats and run down? David said, let him cuss. Let him rail. God might bring a blessing out of it. See, it was a sin to Shimei, but it was going to be a blessing to David. It, 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 it was hatred in Shimei, but it was going to be a help to David. Hey, see, it was a lie to Shimei, but it was going to be, oh, David, he was going to trust God. Somehow or another, if you will just learn to trust God when others are making up things on you and hating you and doing things spitefully against you, if you can just not, not be the one who has to run all the problems down, but trust God. Had a phone call yesterday. Y'all don't know him, so I can say this. I used to be his pastor and uh, he doesn't go to our church now, but he still calls me. And, and here's what he said. We got a good relationship. And uh, he moved. And long story short, he called me. Here's what he said. He said, I'm tired of being profiled by the police. I have uh, I not done drugs in 12 years, I think he said. And still to this day, if something gets stolen, they will automatically bring my name up. I don't know how, what I've got to do. And I said, well, he said, I'm, tell me a lawyer I can hire. I'm sick and tired of the way these police are profiling me. I said, ma'am, why would you waste your time? You can go down in history being the one man that took it to the Supreme Court and fought and stood, or you can be the man and we'll forget you. Or you can be the man who served God in spite of affliction and we'll remember you. How many of y'all can tell me who won the Super Bowl 10 years ago? How many of you can tell me the, the quarterback who's won the most? I can, Tom Brady. But anybody else? <laughs> Don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure he has to take 15 minutes to go through the airport. Amen. But 
Help, help, Lord. How many people can tell me who won, who won the World Series 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 3 years ago? Here's my point. You may never, you may not remember the statistics. You may not remember anybody. You, you may not even remember who caught the biggest fish. Unless you see it, you may not want to believe that anyway. You, you, may, you may not remember none of that stuff. You may not remember who, who makes great leaps in science. But I'll tell you who you will remember. You'll remember them people who in spite of everything they went through, they impacted your life for the glory of God. They preached truths in your lives. They witnessed to you. They helped you. They encouraged you. When you felt like quitting, they wouldn't let you quit. When you said you weren't going to church, they'd pick you up. I mean, I, I, I knew a fella one time. I went to his house. Hey, man, I got him out of bed. I said, if I got to, I will put fresh underwear on you and bring you to church. Preacher, if you'll go outside, I'll be out there in a minute. That's what I want. Amen. And I shouted about it. Amen. I'm thankful. I'm so grateful. We can't let people quit. We can't let people. It's easy to quit now. It's easy to stop. We've got so many excuses. We've got to learn to trust God. In the good times and the bad. When folks hate us. When they curse. When they lie on us. When we're persecuted. If you live godly in this present world. The Bible tells us all that will live godly shall suffer persecution it's not about when it's going to happen not if amen David just tried to serve God and there's a time that God turned that hatred into a blessing look in verse number 6 how can the time to lose be good I don't know no greater way than to point you to Job You may have lost your business. You may have lost some things in your life. I thought about that girl, who, the lady who lost both of her sons. Brother Frank, I don't know if you remember that preacher in our area in western North Carolina. He accidentally, something happened to his boy. He backed over the other one. Every one of his kids gone. Tragic. I've never, I, I've never lost like that. But I don't think nobody lost like Job lost. Lord, let me preach a message one time on Job, and this is what I titled it: "A Country Boy Can Survive." Somebody say, "Amen." <laughs> it had to be what old Hank was talking about. Amen. Hallelujah. Forgive me, Lord. Amen. But he went through turmoil. And when he got down, how can God take loss? He lost his kids. He lost, he even really, and I'm not harping on his wife like a lot of people do. She's the weaker vessel, and he really did. All he said was, you're talking like one of the foolish women, the lost women, the people that don't know God. That's not your normal speech. If you'd have lost all your kids and your daughters and your sons, you'd have acted like she acted too. But he did lose her support for a moment in time. He's lost his health. He's lost everything. I mean, was the richest to the poorest, and the sun ain't went up again. Are y'all listening to this preacher? You know how he turned it beautiful? He went down. He went over to the sacrifice pile. Jumped in them ashes of past worship. 
and got down in those past times of getting in the glory and started sitting in that pile of ashes. And he said, I came out naked and I'm going to go back naked. He said, glory to God. He, he worshiped the Lord. Listen to what he said. Here, here's what he said. Uh, he said, naked came out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. He said, the Lord gave. And the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If that's not taking loss and turning it beautiful, I don't know what it is. But you read the end of the chapter. After all them so-called friends got over there. The best friends they were is when they didn't say nothing. As soon as they started talking, they become enemies. And in the end of the story, he's got twice the children, twice the camels, twice the asses, twice the money. You say, preacher, he ain't got twice the children. He sure does. Half's in heaven and half's on earth. Amen. He still had twice everything. God turned it beautiful. He lost it, but God turned it beautiful. Look, look with me. Look with me one more. Look, just one more to verse 4. There's a time to weep. I feel like that's where we're at today. And there's a time to weep that somehow he's going to make beautiful. I don't really know uh, what, uh, what you're going through in your life, but I feel like you've been beat down. I feel like you're bruised. I feel like in your life, everybody in this room have had some weeping times lately. And according to Ecclesiastes, if we trust him as our Savior, we recognize that he'll be with us in every situation. And somehow, he and his sovereignty is going to work everything beautiful in his time. Everything, every season, every bad time, every uptime. And listen, we don't want the bad times, but somehow he's going to make it beautiful. In them weeping times. I, I thought about Second Kings, that Shulamite woman. She didn't ask for a son. The man of God said, what can I do for you? You want me to go speak to the king? She said, no. He said, I tell you what, according to the time of life, you're going to have a son. She had a boy. And when he got older, old enough, the Bible said he's grown, grown enough to run to his daddy out in the, in the field. Gets to his daddy and he holds his head. Oh, my head. And he dies. The daddy don't know what to do except bring him to mama. He, he brings into this mama, this mama who loved the man of God so much, which is what prompted him to pray to God to give her a son, that she made him a prophet's chamber. I, I don't know anybody in here that's capable of this, but it wouldn't hurt everybody in this church to make your pastor a prophet's chamber. I know that sounds crazy, don't it? I, 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 I preached at our church top midstream. I said, anybody got a house up in Pigeon Forge? I need a prophet's chamber. And he got one at Holden Beach? I need a prophet's chamber. And, and, and I'll take one if you don't go to our church. Amen. But I thank God for a prophet's chamber. She said, I'm going to take my own, and I'm going to make a room, and I'm going to decorate it, and I'm going to furnish it, and it's going to be the man of God's. Ain't nobody use it but the man of God and his servant. Man, God blessed her. That day, somehow, the happy times had turned to morning. And the sun that filled the empty place 
has now brought weeping in her life. The daddy said, oh, told her everything happened, gave the son to her. You know what she did? Took it out there to the man of God's bed. Laid him on the bed. She said, honey, I need you to get me a couple servants, saddle me some asses, load them things up. I'm going to go to the man of God. She starts running wide open to the man of God. You know what happens when she gets a little ways off? He sees her coming. He said, that's it. She said, hey, Gehazi, go ask her, is it well? Her son is dead. She's running wide open. Gehazi runs back and tells, she said, it is well. How can a weeping mama before the sun's raised from the dead, say it is well. Because she knew that she had a God that was sovereign. And he specialized in making everything beautiful in his time. She had to know this truth that Solomon is writing down for us in chapter 3. When it all said and done, Gehazi sent with the rod of God that the man of God carried and said, go over and lay it on the boy, and, and, and nothing happened. You know why? Because Gehazi was a deceitful man and full of unbelief. And God will not use a vessel. That, I'm telling you, you can hinder the power of God when you hold on to unclean thought. You might as well say amen, amen. And then nothing happened. But when the man of God got to him, you know what he did? He went and laid, laid his head on his head, his mouth on his mouth, his hands on his hands. He went and walked around a little bit. I think he's having a prayer meeting, talking to God. Hey, man, and he goes back and lays on old boy's knees seven times and gets up, I don't know why, seven times. Uh, maybe just because when God does it, he does it perfect and complete. Amen. Hey, man, and there's 14 pairs in here. That's double perfect and complete. Amen. How I know is that old boy, hey, man, got handed to his mama and that's how weeping became beautiful you don't see it right now hey listen church I don't see it right now I've got areas in my life me and my wife my wife weeped on Mother's Day right down here going through some things hey man with one of my children I miss him I love him I ain't seen one of my boys in two years I ain't called his mama I ain't texted his mama on Mother's Day and we he never back told us as far as I know None of them got a speeding ticket. <laughs> Can I still say that? Okay. None of them even got a speeding ticket. I mean, I'm blessed. I'm reaping better than I sow. And I do believe in the, uh, sowing and reaping. But when you calculate it on the, this side of Calvary... The grace button's real big. You can't help but hit it all the time. And I'm reaping a lot better than I sowed. I got great boys, and he's a great. I'm tell, I don't understand what's going on, but somehow God's going to make weeping beautiful in his time. I know I ain't got everything. I'm going to shout her out if everything goes wrong. I'm going to run the aisles. I'm going to praise the Lord if nobody don't. Why? Because everything's good? No, because, because he's good, because he'll make it right. Because he'll make everything beautiful in his time. I just want to ask you, church, do you believe God? Yeah. 
Do you believe he'll make everything beautiful in his time? Do you think he can make everything in that list beautiful in his time? I'm talking about those things that are hard. Those things that bring up hatred and bitterness and hardness and sad times. Do you believe that God somehow, according to verse 11, will make everything, all the circumstances, all the seasons, all the good and bad, the positive and negative. He can, he will make everything beautiful. Do you agree with that? If you do, stand to your feet and say amen. Amen. Let's stand to your feet, Pastor. I'd love for you to get somebody to come sing. I feel like they know exactly what needs to be sung. Father, we love you today. Now I know, Lord, we're going to go one time, sometime or another. According to Ecclesiastes 3.20, we're going to all go to our place you've got prepared. And every one of us that you took and made from dust, we're going to all turn to dust again. Lord, to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. And I pray, the Lord, that when that heavenly flight comes, I'm hoping to go through the clouds and not the clods. But God, if I do go through the clods, I know I've got a mighty God that somehow, even if I don't see it here, somehow you're going to make everything beautiful in your time. Jeremiah was persecuted for doing nothing but preaching the truth. Never saw nobody get saved. But we do see him quoted in the book of Esther. And Lord, we're still preaching. And the pastor quoted him, I think. Uh, hey, man, asking for the old paths. Uh, where's the good way? He quoted him the other day. Uh, Lord, we're still preaching. Folks are getting saved. Uh, and Jeremiah never got to see it. Uh, some of us may not get to see the tide turn. Uh, we may not see the. We may never get to see the sun come up. Uh, but God. God, I know you can. I know you will. I'm a trusting in you. I'm believing you. I'm, a, I'm going to depend on you. God, I'm a praying. I get us where we need to be. Make that substitution in our life. If somebody's lost, save them. Wash them in your blood. If some are carried and burdened down and got to the place they're about to at the crossroads, about ready to quit, God, would you speak to them? Encourage them tonight. Help them to know that you will make everything beautiful. In your time, I'll trust you with it, Lord. We're going to believe you. Let me say this, church, before I say amen. Do you know that it don't take but one letter to make all the difference in the world? How many of y'all know that verse? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Y'all know that? You spell that Joy cometh in the morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G. The only difference in our weeping, mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. The only difference is you. What changes when the... What makes it morning? Whoa! The sun comes up. Church, God may take your night. And if you will get out of the way, He may take the nighttime and turn it to daytime. You may be holding back 
the sun coming up and turning your darkness into morning. While God speaks to your heart, just mind the Lord while we sing. Lord, we love you today. Have your way in Jesus' name. Messiah, the Lord. 
Jesus Messiah, the Lord of all, the Lord of all, the Lord of all. You know, preacher, I've often wondered. What if that mama would have just sit down in her sorrow? But she got her baby to Jesus. <laughs> but isn't it true that sometimes if we ain't careful, we'll get weighed down in our sorrow. And what we need to do is get them to Jesus. I don't ever want to close a service around here. Never. Without giving you the opportunity to make the greatest choice decision that you'll ever make. Maybe you're here this evening or joining with us online. And if you're, if you're honest with yourself and you're honest with God, when you consider the fact that it is appointed unto man once to die. There is a time to be born and there is a time to die. But after this, the judgment, and it's real. And one day, just as Pastor pointed out this evening, friend, you're going to stand before God. If you've never been saved, you better get saved before you stand before God. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That lumps all of us into the same boat. There's not one just among us, no, not one. Thank God I'll never have to stand before him in judgment based on my running record. And the wages of sin is death. We all know that we're going to die physically. I mean, the mortality rate amongst humanity still runs 100%. But, but I think what many of us don't want to face is that there is a second death. According to the Bible, if you've never been saved, one of these days, even hell will open up. And sinners will stand before God and be judged according to what's written in his book. Now, boy, I'm glad the story doesn't stop there. Because if that be the case, if the, if the story ended right there, then that would leave all of us hopeless and helpless standing before a holy God. But the Bible says that the gift of God, boy, I really like that, don't you? The, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That is, God truly did for you 
through Jesus what you could not do for yourself. He paid the debt, as Pastor Shane has already pointed out, on the cross of Calvary. And the Bible says that if thou believe in thine heart, or if thou, thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I tell you, I don't know of a better deal on the planet than that right there. That if you if you'll believe what the Bible teaches about Jesus, that He came into this world, He's God's Son, come into this world in human flesh, carried your sin to Calvary's cross, was crucified, buried, and raised again the third day. If you can believe that and confess Him with your mouth, thou shalt be saved. What a wonderful promise! I want you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes, and and I want to pray specifically with those people that are gathered here under the roof of this building and those that are joining with us online tonight that have never been saved. And, and you want to be right with God when you stand before Him in judgment. Throughout the Scriptures, the question is answered in the New Testament, what must I do to be saved? The answer is always the same. Repent and believe the gospel. To repent literally means to turn. It means to, to, to turn away from sin to your Savior. Turn and trust the finished work of Christ on the cross. And if that's you tonight, and you can say, Pastor, I want to know when I leave here this evening, when, when, when I click off this computer screen, that I'm going to spend eternity with God in heaven. I want you to do something right now. Nobody's looking around this room but me and God. If you're joining with us online, I want you just to lift your hand up in the air and just acknowledge, I need to be saved. I want you to pray with me. You know, I believe when I got saved, I got saved sitting in a pew in New Freedom Baptist Church before I ever stood to my feet or made my way to the altar. I believe God saved me where I was sitting at. So I want you just to pray with me and say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned before you. And God, I'm sorry for my sin. I understand that I'm deserving of death and eternal punishment. But God, I want to live. I want to spend eternity in heaven with you. And I believe that because of what Jesus done on the cross, you can forgive me. I ask for you to forgive me tonight of every sin. I believe your son rose from the dead, and because he lives, he can give me eternal life. Heavenly Father, send your spirit to live inside of me, to lead me and to guide me. 
and to help me to live my life in a way that's pleasing to you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for your forgiveness. By your grace, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. I want to say this and I'm going to be done. There's no such thing. No such thing as a closet Christian. I, I believe that. Jesus said, if you confess me before men on earth, then I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. Preacher, we ever really stop to think about that? That when we tell somebody about Jesus, we become a topic of conversation between the Father and the Son, indwelled by the Holy Spirit. But he also said, if you deny me before men on earth, then I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. So I want to challenge you. If, you. if you believe that you got saved tonight, I don't care if you're in this building or joining with us online, I want you to tell somebody. My phone number is, uh, we, you can call the church. You can reach out to me through our, our website or my email. But, but you need to tell somebody because you need to follow up in baptism. You need to become a part of a local church. Let a group of believers disciple you. Amen? Father, we're so thankful. <laughs> Lord, we've just been reminded tonight that, phew, God, how you take that that is so ugly and make it beautiful. And Lord, I just confess to you, you had your work cut out for you with me. But by the blood of Christ, you've done all things well. And so we worship you and we praise you. And even in our times of uncertainty, when we don't know, when we don't have the answers, we choose not to worry and live in fear, but we'll cast our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. Thank you for Pastor Shane and his family and for using him in our lives. God, I just pray that through the remainder of their vacation, you bless them in a special way. Bless them through your people right here in this church. We'll be careful to give you the glory for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I said I was done, but I do got to say one more thing. Okay, and, and, and then Shane wants the microphone back. Um, that that, that um, Prophet's Chamber, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, Cades Cove, North Carolina. <laughs> That's pretty good preaching, bro. Amen. I just wanted to point out the last verse in the Bible. In case, I'm so glad he said it. I'm sitting here wrestling, Lord, do I say it or not? There's a gift. There's a giver. And there's a getter. The gift is, listen to this verse, the grace. That's the gift. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's the giver. Be with you all. We're all getters. That's what's going to see us through, y'all. We're going to do a little last thing, do a little... Lord's army cadence. 
I'm going to say it as well. Y'all say it as well. Can you say that woman said it as well when everything was still wrong? She said it by faith. Say it with me. It is well. It is well. It is well. With my soul. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you.